Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Ryan Johnson, Abbotsford AGM is uh, Abbotsford GM is going to join us here. Uh, Canucks AGM as well, and uh, they get off to a good start yesterday with the three nothing win over Bakersfield, and everybody's happy. It was uh, quite the scene, and a couple of goals from amateur tryout Max Sasson, as well uh, as. Jack Rathbone getting on the score sheet with a nice little snipe on the power play there in the third period. A good start for Abbotsford, and it's uh, the story. Like, it still is, if you're ranking best stories of the year around the Canucks organization, uh, Abbotsford is probably at the top of the list. Uh, okay, so Pedersen, yep. Kuzmenko, yep. Abbotsford. How do you rank them? Yeah, uh well, definitely Pedersen probably at the top. And then Kuzmenko probably because, I mean, you, yeah. you, you got a guy who scored almost 40 goals star. That helped. So top top three storyline for the Canucks this year, Abbotsford Canucks. Yeah, probably. And uh, Quinn Hughes is in that conversation yeah, Quinn, too. Quinn, Quinn. Although like he had a really good year last year as well yeah. and really emerged. And he was even better this year. But... Quinn's going to get Norris votes though. Yeah, he's gonna get some. Yeah, he's gonna get some. That's fan- that's that's exciting. I wonder if it extends beyond just uh, some of the Vancouver media base, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, you can call the local fan bases or the media homers or not. They, you know, but they usually have oh, a pretty it was good a warranted sense. season. But yeah. this is a completely warranted season, and and I'd like to see somebody else at least or some other people also yeah. recognize it around the league. That's uh, that's. What I think is, you know, did his play this year sort of transcend outside the market rather than just what we get to see here on a regular basis. But with Abbotsford, we sort of touched on it yesterday. You can go back and listen to the podcast, just some of the the players there mm-hmm. that are trending in the right direction and are beginning to be on the NHL radar. But, you know, we saw a lot of Canucks management down there watching the game last night, uh, Rutherford, uh, Alvin was there, you know, the AGMs were all there. It's, I, I, I guess, you know, are you able to judge a team's prospects during a playoff run in the AHL? Yeah, and, and that's what I'm really curious to speak to RJ about, who's going to yeah. join us momentarily, to see, like, how much you're evaluating this, this kind of playoff run. Because this is actually the closest thing you'll see to NHL hockey, AHL postseason hockey. Yeah. And you get at least a feel of it. It's nice to see that what they've sort of built as an identity continued into the postseason, at least to start, right? Because this is a team that had pride its uh, pride itself on playing well defensively. And that's sort of what we've talked about all season long is how they've really instilled that culture amongst the players with the coaching staff and the development staff. And of course, the GM of the Abbotsford Canucks, Ryan Johnson, who joins us now. Thanks for this, Ryan. Uh, great night last night. How was it for you? Uh, it's been a nerve-wracking couple of days, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, you know, I uh, once you kind of you feel like you've prepared over the last kind of week to 10 days and got everything in place, the hard part is just sitting around and waiting for puck drop. And, and so uh, lots of uh, walks and pacing and nervousness and feel like I could throw up, but, uh, I just, I, I care about this group, uh, a lot and, uh, I, I want 
them to be rewarded for the work uh, that they've put in all year. So um, it was a, a nice start last night, but uh, we got a lot of work to do. A bit of an exhale then. I mean, I know last year they didn't quite go as planned. You guys did make the playoffs and you weren't able to have a game on home ice, but you start the game on home ice and you win. And I know you have a lot to, to do, but is that a bit of an exhale here? Uh, not really. And, and that's something we've talked about is, uh, very quickly last night, um, just even with the coaches. and You, you turn the page, you learn, you adjust. Uh, very good Bakersfield team veteran team that we know will make adjustments so we've got to we've got to remain focused i think the biggest one of the biggest things for me was the uh our organization to be able to, to host a game in the community of abbotsford and fraser valley and what they've how much they've supported us it was just a real nice uh and something that's been on my mind for three or four months is making sure uh you know that th- we had the opportunity to play in front of them in that type of atmosphere and to have it uh to, to be able to do it, uh, a lot of our organization from Vancouver and the, the business and the support side there in Abbotsford, I think just a nice reward for everybody. Uh, game two tomorrow night and a potential series win on the line for you guys. But uh, you, you mentioned the work, right? You don't get here without the work and the building blocks through the season, through training camp and everything else. Um, can you contextualize what sort of work went in from top to bottom to get this team to where it is right now? Well, it's been a very intentional uh, to get to get young, to get a lot of um, uh, young prospects, uh, NHL contracts, AHL contracts, and get get some some youthful energy in there, surrounded by some of the great veterans that we do have. Um, you always face adversity as an AHL team. You have tons of movement because of call ups and the injuries. And I think uh, again, as we did last year, we we lost a good amount of our a team uh, that we had there with about a third of the season left and it's a credit to the coaching staff uh, and the players that, you know, scrapped and clawed and fought their way through that to, to allow us to have home ice advantage. And I think at, at the end of the day, when people always talk this time of year about papering down or sending down a cavalry of players, like for me, um, it was almost the opposite approach. Uh, I wanted players that fought and, the, the guys that developed and, and came along this season or veterans that stood there and helped these guys along. I wanted them to have the opportunity to fight uh, in the playoffs, fight with each other. Uh, they've earned that opportunity. And as you send down a bunch of players, uh, that means usually you get some young players that come out of the lineup where their minutes are reduced. So I'm happy to fight with these guys. I believe in them. And uh, last night was a, was a good first step, but we've, we've got to get better. Well, and, and RJ, you've been part of the organization for a long time now. I mean, you were there with Utica. You were there where it, when the prospect pool was very thin. And it's not that it's mission accomplished or anything, but is this finally the year where everything's come together in terms of the Abbotsford team, the the investments, the personnel you, ha- you guys have, the prospects you have, and it all kind of getting to that critical mass? I mean, you've been through the, the barren, tough days of being a Utica to where you are today. Is it finally coming together the way you envisioned? Yes, and we're heading in the right direction. Obviously, the you know uh, really growing our development staff and the support that we've had in in uh, in Abbotsford and, and just organizational resources that you can move up and down the road to support uh, these young players. And so it, it's it's definitely, and I think you've seen what we've done over the last four to six weeks of adding some more uh, youth and some college-free agents. And uh, I think we're we're certainly heading in the right direction where. Uh, you know, I've always talked about it. You, you want to you, you develop so you can win, but you also win to develop these guys. And 
Uh, I want a young team, but I want them to have the expectation that they play deep into the playoffs. And, and if we can get our young group with that expectation that these guys grow and evolve and step into our big team here, they carry that expectation with them. You, you talked about intent earlier and how you go about doing uh, the, the work to put this team together. Uh, how does that work with the coaching staff and sort of the intent to build an identity as to how you want the team to play. And, you know, we, we've known that, you know, the, the president all the way up, Jim Rutherford, has talked about wanting, you know, the AHL team to set the table and, and be able to grow into the NHL team and know exactly what is expected of them. And we started to see that towards the end of the year. How, how did you go about starting to build that identity with Jeremy Carlton and others? Well, I think it's something we certainly talked about. We 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 talked from our initial meeting with the group in in uh, Ontario to start the season that we were going to use all our resources. We were going to we were going to challenge each other to be uh, the utmost professionals, which is you know how you approach every day that you come in with a plan. We were going to challenge each other how how good of teammates we could be for for each other, and regardless of where we sat of of our roster, the roster or who was coming in and out, that we knew that identity and that formula had never changed to any practice. We stepped on the ice to any game that we stepped into. Our coaches have done a great job uh, in implementing that. And I think our players have, as we've, we've built the trust and the relationship, the players believe in it. And uh, uh, it, it's, I say, uh, you face teams that, you know, they're, they're a fast team. Uh, they're an experienced team. They're a heavy team. Uh, the identity of this team is, is that they fight. Uh, it doesn't matter the situation, uh, the score, uh, you know, the, the daunting task that may lie ahead. They they fight. They scrap and claw for everything. And that was one of the reasons that I wanted to keep this group as is heading into the playoffs. So it, it's not necessarily about always just advancing. I want to advance with the guys that kind of got us there. And I think that means a lot to that group as well. As far as evaluating players during the AHL postseason, is this as close as you can get to playoff to NH and not playoff NHL hockey, but in general NHL hockey and, and how much can you learn about your young players in the AHL postseason? Well, it, it's yeah, not so much for us to learn. It's for them to learn. Like, it, you know, the, the experience that they have and, and, and talk to them about it. You don't, you look at the span of your career, you think, oh, I'll, I'll just play in the playoffs my entire life and have a chance to win something. But when you've got a 10, 10 or 12 year career possibly, and you don't get in a few times, your chance to really uh, take advantage of, of playoff hockey is, is, uh, doesn't end up being a lot. So I, I, I want them to, to, to learn and grow through this and, and understand the intensity of, how different playoff hockey, how every play you make is an investment to the, to the end result. And I think you can play regular seasons all day for these young guys when they get a taste of, and I saw that with a bunch of our young guys in, in Utica, the Demko and Breezel and some of these guys and McEwens, and when they got a, a chance to play in that, it just their, their development path shot forward because uh, you, you just find out a lot about yourself when, when so much is on the line. How important are these games uh, to the community? How, how much have you felt that given, you know, due to some of the circumstances that are out of everybody's control over the last couple of years, it just, it hasn't really been the smoothest transition, but here you are getting a few home games and hopefully more down the line. Yeah. Well, you know, we jump started this team in a very short amount of time. 
during a pandemic, which was very difficult for our, our outreach and ability to connect with our community. I mean, the, the league stipulation things that we, we really couldn't have much of a connection and, and to come back uh, as a second year in the pandemic and obviously the flooding from last year, this community has meant a lot to our group, to the players. Uh, we've had a chance to connect and have a, have a successful regular season uh, and give ourselves a chance to play in front of this crowd in the playoffs. And it, 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 it means a lot to us. Uh, the community means a lot in the support that they've given us and, and, and the job that, you know, our front office group there, Rob Maloney and his group, Raj Moody and uh, kitchen staff, Chef Ken and his group. It, it, there's a lot of people that have done a, a lot of work out there that's greatly appreciated by our staff and, and players and uh, means a lot to this organization. Turning our focus to some individual players, and what we also saw this year, in addition to some of these prospects getting opportunities and growing, is seeing some veterans not only emerge and you know you know be part of the team in Abbotsford, but play games in in the NHL and get contract extensions. Guys like Christian Willan and guys like Guillaume Brisebois. What have they meant? How far have they come? Especially Brisebois and. How valuable is it for the team when they can see fellow players get rewarded the way those guys have? Well, it's very important. I mean, along with developing young players, whether they're draft picks or they're free agents, or uh, is also identifying you know depth players that maybe have been overlooked, that haven't uh, been given an opportunity, second organization guys, or guys that just need somebody to believe in them and love on them. And... Uh, that when you do that, give them an environment that they feel comfortable in. All of a sudden, they can they can they can change the, the course of their careers, regardless of how old they are. And you look at guys like Di Giuseppe or Willan and guys that we brought in that you really believed in, or somebody like Bisbal who had uh, a couple of years of some adversity of injury and 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 would have been very easily easy for us to just kind of turn the page on him. We wanted to stay with him. <clears throat> believed in him as a player, but also as a person. And it rewards you as an organization because it allows you to get through adversity uh, with your NHL club and support and, and, and help you to maintain and win games when you lose bodies. And you know, those guys, uh, you look at the drives of DiGiuseppe's, Milanans, uh, Jilson's, Breezebaugh's, um, they all did a fantastic job of, I felt, not just coming up and playing, but, uh, but giving us a chance to win hockey games here in Vancouver. There's players in all different kinds of situations. You even had, uh, you know, Vasily Podkolzin and Nils Hoaglander, you know, come down and have to maybe rediscover their games a little bit. And, and Hoaglander has a couple of helpers last night. How much have you seen his game come along? Well, there's been a lot of improvements. I mean, uh, and I give them credit. Uh, you know, they uh, guys like that have come down. It's not an easy situation, but they come down with um, – uh, with intention, with purpose, a good attitude, realize that uh, we're there to help them get better and, and realize that they've got a group of players and staff around them that are there to help them. So, you know, even, even uh, Hoggy, he's been, um, had a great attitude and working. I think if you watch him every day, like we have, you realize uh, how much he's improved, even in a short time uh, being a, with us there in Abbotsford. It's, it's fun to watch him come and take the coaching and, and, the, and the details of the little things that we know we can help them get better at that'll help them uh, down the line get back to the NHL so it's been uh, we've got an environment there in Abbotsford that that uh, guys can come down and feel comfortable with know they're going to get a lot of work and for the right reasons and get them back to where they want to go 
As far as Put Colson's concerned and his injury, do you expect him to get into a lineup here pretty soon? Um, I, I don't think there's an expectation right now. Obviously, he's got something he's dealing with, and we're just being uh, patient with that. And by no means do we want to rush him into something he's not not ready for. But I think organizationally, um, it, it's not anything we've uh, turned the page on from this season. If he if he, we are still playing and he gets to a point where he is ready to go, we'll certainly uh, be getting him into our mix there in Abbotsford. Ryan Johnson, our our guest here on uh, on Canuck Central, and uh, you know you had Max Sasson score a couple of goals last night. You know the newbie around town um, must have been a pretty wild experience for him. Uh, what have you noticed out of his game in a short time? Well, he's he's fit in, and as far as the way he plays the game, the hardness and the details, he's he's uh, um, got a great mind for the game and sense for the game, uh, and he's quickly bought into. To, how we want to play and he, he you know his, his line has been really effective with Rao and Hoglander um and I know even in the initial games in the regular season having some good games but just not being rewarded on the extensive side of the puck uh I give him a lot of credit for staying patient keeping his details managing the game and um even that's the, the series we had against Calgary last week was kind of a war playoff hockey you know it would have been easy for somebody just jumping in like that to get overwhelmed. But what we saw very quickly of him, he's a competitor and uh, willing to sacrifice. And for him last night, takes a hit and takes some zippers in the nose and comes back and, and uh, uh, scores some big goals for us. That's a credit to the character of the kid, that's for sure. Uh, one of the lines you guys started the game with uh, last night was Baines with Ratu and Klimovich. And Klimovich has been there for a couple of years, and he's taken a step this season. We've spoke about, spoken about him over, over the past couple of years. Ratu was added via trade, and Baines was signed as a free agent last year. Uh, is it pretty exciting to see those guys come together? And and what's what's kind of been the progress of Ratu and Baines specifically this season? Well, it's awesome. I mean, you're going into a playoff series uh, against a, a pretty experienced team with a line of, uh, 21 and under olds playing together and, and competing and battling together. I mean, that's for me, that, that is awesome. Uh, you know, Bainesy, uh, what an interesting, you know, example for me of a guy that, uh, you know, high score in the Western hockey league and, and come in a first year pro and have to completely reinvent himself. Uh, it's a great story for, for other young players to see a guy be able to produce like that and then take the, the guidance from the development staff and our coaching staff of, of okay, we're going to help you produce, and you may end up producing at the same rate. You're just going to do it in a completely different way. You're going to have to compete, forward, forward check, find a way to get the puck in your stick that's different than anything you've ever done. Uh, so that's been really exciting to watch him develop and grow throughout the year and getting Ratu here uh, and up and going in, into this group. You know, it's still so early in his process, I think, it's going to be a huge off season for him to take another step and, and Klimo continues to mature and we go through little dips and valleys, uh, uh, along the way, but he's showing the maturity, uh, to, you know, accept some of these little details and things that are being harped on, uh, and along the way, uh, be able to contribute offensively. And, and uh, so it, I mean, his, his path, uh, again, for having our team in Abbotsford for people to be able to own, own the process of some of these guys and then see them eventually go down the road and play. It's, it's pretty awesome for, uh, for our organization and our fans. Ryan, uh, congrats on uh, the success to this point and uh, all the best and continued success moving forward. 
Okay, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, there is uh, Ryan Johnson, Abbotsford Canucks general manager, joining us here on Canucks Central. Yeah, uh, some good insight, as always, from RJ. And what I found interesting, you know, we, we start off talking about, you know, uh, you can evaluate these guys in, in tougher competition and all that. And, and his whole thing is, no, it's more about experience. Like this is about the guys playing, developing, and becoming players. We're not looking at this as saying like, "Oh, you got to prove something to us." It's more about we're trying to use this time to make you a better player. Yeah, and you need to play in these situations to become better. And we're not looking at it as pass or fail. Go out there and play, and and hopefully we develop you into something. And I think that's a it's a it's a positive approach, and yeah. it's an interesting way of looking at development, which I think is a good thing. There has to be, like, every situation is, is different, um, but we all know that getting into the AHL playoffs, as with the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's one level during the regular season, yeah. and then it steps up a level as you move forward, and that space and time becomes a little bit less available to you, and those little details start to matter that much more in those games, mm-hmm. and that's... Those are the habits, the details, the things, the the trendy words that this organization as a whole has been trying to hammer home. Yeah, and there is a lot of value in having a lot of your good young players in mm-hmm. these situations. And if you're on a good team and a young team like the Canucks are this year in Abbotsford, if you go on an extended run, it can, it can be a launching off point, at least to, to kickstart some careers next year and give you a little bit of experience. I mean... It's a lot different, but in the lockout season back in 04-05, the AHL was loaded, right? 05 yeah. was, like, it was loaded. And the Canucks had a really good team that year. Ryan Kessler was on that team. They had Burroughs and a bunch of other young players on that team. And 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 that team was was good. And they went on a, on a playoff run and, and, and all that. And those guys, having been in that experience, they really benefited from it. Now, we'll see if anybody launches up like any of those guys did, but... It's been it's been quite some time since we've seen a young, talented AHL affiliate for Vancouver. Well, actually, not affiliate a team that's owned by the organization yep. that is poised to go on a playoff run of some sort. Like it, they've had teams in the past go on call the runs, but it's been a lot of veteran laden teams. This one having so many prospects, I think, is is extra exciting. So uh, last night they win three nothing. Game two is going tomorrow night against Bakersfield, and of course. Uh, it is just a best of three here in this opening round series, so a win tomorrow sends Abbotsford through to the next round of the AHL playoffs. And you know, we've talked about some really promising finds by this team. Now, does that mean you know they're finding superstars? No, but are they finding players? And we talked about Akito Hirose mm-hmm. and and Cole McWard. The other college signing here as well, Max Sasson. Already getting on the board, scoring a bunch of goals in his first few games. I yeah. mean, uh, it, it is promising that they seem to keep identifying players that at least have the talent uh, to succeed at their current level. And that's what Max did has, has done over these first few games. And now it's about that development process, about how you get them to that next level. Yeah, and what RJ mentioned was he, he plays hard. He's a smart mm-hmm. player. It kind of fits the profile of what this team has been looking for overall, the types of guys. You want the higher-end guys, but they want players who can play and, yeah. and fulfill roles for them. And they were very specific in going after Sasson. They were very specific in going after Akito Hirose and Cole McWard. They've spoken about that because they saw things that they like. And one of the things we've discussed quite a bit has been it's so important to have an identity as an organization mm-hmm. and have a philosophy and understanding of who you are, who you want to be, what you're prioritizing. Because then it narrows the list, not only for what you're looking for, but also what you're not going to be looking for. 
And it makes it so much easier to narrow down what you're looking for, go after those players, you you identify a certain pool, and you try to find the best out of that pool. Yeah. And I think that's a more specific way of finding players who are good for you instead of taking that buckshot approach. It's, uh, it is an interesting process and an interesting thought from Ryan Johnson on how they went about building their identity for this Abbotsford team and what maybe that could tell us about how they're trying to build the big league club yeah. as well. We'll get to that and more coming up as Canuck Central continues on Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I had um, an internet appointment today. Internet appointment? Well, like, I was getting it installed. Oh. I was changing over my service. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, like, what I couldn't... Because I, I still remember the Seinfeld episode, right? Like, mm-hmm. about the cable guy. Yes. You know, and, like, why do they give you a window? <laughs> and it's like, it's 2023, and they still give you the window. They do. Yeah. It's like, we're, we'll come between 11 and 1. And like, great. But then it, it's, it's very, like, you're like, um... Like, I want to have breakfast. I want to go to the gym, be able to shower. Like, don't want to be all, like, you know. So what time did they show up? Close to 1 o'clock. Close to 1 o'clock. So were you kind of frozen in time? You I kind of paralyzed? I was frozen in time. I was just paralyzed, you know? It was just like, I can't... That's why you should do I like, want to get like things done, but I don't want to start anything because I know this person's going to show up at some point. Yeah, it kind of throws everything off a little bit. Yeah. You can't just sit there and watch TV either because you don't have cable. How can we not just like set perfect timing, you know, like or closer than a two hour window? I, I think the explanation case. is going to be something along the lines of jobs take different times. <laughs> some job takes yes. 15 minutes, yes. some other job takes and they gotta an hour. And they got to travel to the next one. And, and then and you know, traffic and is always unpredictable. Exactly. You know. So there's probably a decent explanation for it. I think the biggest issue here is we haven't conquered exact time on traffic. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Is it's just interesting yeah. that like 30 years ago, you know, Seinfeld was complaining about this and it's uh, still the same now. Uh, all right. Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. A couple of really good texts coming in uh, on the back of our conversation with Ryan Johnson, Abbotsford Canucks GM. They have game two of their series against Bakersfield tomorrow night. This one comes in unsigned. On the topic of how do you evaluate players during the AHL playoffs, and this text says AHL is the same as Summer League in the NBA. Summer League doesn't show you who can play. It shows you who can't play. The AHL playoffs are even better. It's stress and higher volume minutes. Good litmus test. Yeah, and I think that's a good take. Uh, now, the way RJ explained it, he was going to be careful to be like, hey, if, even if somebody struggles, I'm not going to look at this and say, this guy can't play. But I think it's a good assessment of how we evaluate guys, especially that type of environment. And also the value of playing in the AHL. And we were talking about going back to 0405, the um, the AHL affiliate for Vancouver that year. I think it was a Chicago Wolves. They had Ryan Kessler. They had Kevin Bieksa. Uh, they had um, Rick Rippon, the late yeah. Rick Rippon at the time. They had Alex Ald on that team. 
I mean, they had a lot of players who turned out to be important players or at least guys who played roles for that team. And they went all the way, you know, they had to play like 14, 15 games in the playoffs. And then somebody else texted in and said, didn't Markstrom take Utica deep one year too? Felt like that was his coming out party. And that's also a good one. That's going back to 2014, 2015, where they made the run. Uh, they got to the Calder Cup final. Markstrom did play great in that year. And that's a year they had a, you know, they actually had a group of prospects. Yeah. Now, it didn't quite work out. You had guys like Hunter Shakarik, You had Brendan Gons. You had Nicholas Jensen. Uh, they had Frankie Corrado, Sven Berici. And, you know, Adam Clendenning, for instance. Ben Hutton didn't play in the postseason, but was part of that team. Played a few games. So, Jake Vertanen played 10 playoff games for them that year. So, they had a group. It didn't mm-hmm. quite work out in terms of a lot of those guys. But, but some of them did. And it shows you, though. Anytime you have a group of young players that go on a playoff run, you're getting a couple of those guys into your lineup doing good things for you down the road. So, there was something that Ryan Johnson mentioned that stuck out to me a little bit. And it was the comment on building the identity of the Abbotsford Canucks. Mm -hmm. And he talked a lot about the intent that went into how they wanted this team and this program to continue building. And they've instilled a fighting identity, an identity to fight through everything with this group of players. And when you think about how you go about building a team and more importantly, building a program that is going to deliver success. Mm-hmm. I kind of heard what I wanted to hear there from Ryan Johnson and how they went about it. Because, essentially, the Abbotsford Canucks, as we know, are an extension of what they're trying to do with the big club. Now, they've had more immediate success in Abbotsford than they have, obviously, at the NHL level. But we started to see little nuggets of success come to the NHL team by the end of the year, right? The Christian Willanins, Phil DiGiuseppe, some of these players that played in the A that worked with Jeremy Colleton came up and had success with the big club. So there are things to start to draw the lines of correlation here as to how it's going to help out the big club. Now, I'm not here to say that this is the sign that the Vancouver Canucks are on the right path to winning the Stanley Cup. But when you do go about building a program that's going to deliver success, you have to start with some levels of success. And this first level is the AHL team. Then it's about getting consistently to the playoffs at the NHL level. And when they go about, this is the the problem I have with the oh, there's no plan here. There's clearly a plan, but the plan is more than just let's throw everything good we have out the window and draft a bunch of guys and then we'll get good five years from now. Their plan is different from that. It's very clearly different from that. They've articulated that to us a thousand times. But what they're trying to do is build that program, build that identity so that they can then get to a point where they're in the Stanley Cup playoffs regularly, and then once you have that chance, you're knocking on the door regularly, that's when you hopefully have the ultimate success. Yeah, and I think the way this entire perception around this team has gone, you came into this year with how they played last season. Mm -hmm. Bruce Boudreau comes back. It's a disaster of a year, and all kind of goes back to the decision with Bruce and the signing and Rutherford wasn't here. And that created a bit of instability with the big team. Not a bit of instability, a lot of instability. And yes. we saw it, you know, really 
hit a crescendo this year. And oh, it, it bleep was, hit the fan. Yeah, in a huge <laughs> way, right? So I think that's the that's again the way they've handled the coaching thing, and it goes back to ownership getting him to a two year deal when Weatherford thought it was going to be one. Again, all this stuff goes back to how did it all start, right? Yeah. That created most of the instability. You remove that instability and you look at it as, okay, what did Shanahan do his first year? Kind of, let's just see what happens. Yeah. You know, they kind of took their hands off the wheel, made some trades at the deadline. And then after the offseason, made the move on Nonis. Then they started making some changes to the roster. But it was like, let's take a year. Let's take a beat. Let's let things play out a little bit here and we'll go, go about our business. But with how the team played last year, the expectations heading into this season, and it all falling flat, it created a lot of turmoil. It mm-hmm. created a lot of dysfunction. And the PR was terrible. Mm-hmm. So the perception is these guys don't know what they're doing. That's kind of been the perception, right? And it's the same song as we've seen in the past. You know, just a different general manager, yes. but the same type of thing, right? New name, same old result. If you dig into it a bit deeper, to your point, there is a lot more competency in terms of the, the bones and the structures of putting a team together, the things you need to do at the AHL level behind the scenes of things that they're doing. And those are the things I'm most excited about, most encouraged by. Yes. Now, to your point, you got to start there and it has to go to the big club too. But in terms of the market looking at it and saying, oh, believe in this, the big club has to turn around in a positive way yeah. next season. And ultimately, you know, there is no shining star prospect on this Abbotsford team that's, you know, you're projecting to come up and really be an impact player on the NHL level, at least not right yeah. now. There isn't that Ryan Kessler knocking on the door yeah. at the moment. But you still have some pieces that could help you. And this is a team that already has a couple of franchise cornerstones in place, right? So you are looking for more secondary pieces that can help in the long run. And and why I say this is important and why there's intent behind what they're doing and why it should lead you to believe that there is some level of a plan, one of the first things Jim Rutherford said is, Abbotsford is going to be big for us. We really have to get Abbotsford right if we're going to turn this thing around. He didn't say it in those exact words. I'm paraphrasing. If you want to go back and listen to Jim Rutherford's first few press conferences, you'll hear it. Yeah. But it was and has been part of the plan to fix the AHL level because they're, in their mind, it's a huge part of building a sustainable product at the NHL level. And we got into it with RJ a little bit, but this team has come a long way, and it's still have a long way to go like yes. in terms of their AHL affiliate. But it was one of the more underfunded teams. It was mm-hmm. kind of away in Utica, too, even when they when they were part of the organization there. And it just didn't seem like everything was aligned properly, number one, with the vision of the team, number two, with the investment in the team, and number three, with the development plan of the players and how you're allocating resources and how you're getting the most out of these guys. It just wasn't yeah. what it is today. That has to change. I mean, no team is going to be successful unless you have you have competency at all levels of your organization. Mm-hmm. And having the competency when you're dealing with your young players is so important. Yeah. You know, like you got to have a lot of resources for your prospects. How do you expect your prospects and young players to develop if you're not giving them all the resources possible? Mm-hmm. Hey, some guys will develop, but are you really creating the best environment possible for them to be good players or not? And you can even just see that through, well, a couple of things. You know, the Sedins coming on as development coaches, how big that's been for them. Uh, and we've heard that reverberate thousands of times throughout the course of this season. But you can really see it through the contracts that they've given out to some players. You know, Jack Rathbone getting a one-way deal last year. Uh, some of the, even the extensions for Willannon and DiGiuseppe, you know, they're two-way deals, but they pay pretty well yeah. on the two-way side of it. Yeah, about 500 k in the minors. So, you know, those are contracts that 
aren't cheap because not a lot of teams love paying that kind of money for guys in in the AHL. So you, you can see there's like tangible things you can look at to see where that level of investment is. And why I think this is important is if you build out an identity, an incredible identity of your team and this program, just a word, but I think you can kind of get what I mean by it. If you build out a credible program, you at least set yourself up to have a decent floor as an NHL team. Now, that doesn't guarantee you anything. It doesn't guarantee you ultimate success. But if you do build that out, you know, you can see where you'll start to see a consistent level of playoff appearances and those types of things. You know, you think about programs and probably the Minnesota Wild is one right. you can sort of point to where, yeah, they've been kind of the same team for 20 years, but yeah. how many playoff appearances have they made? And they haven't had ultimate success, but they're there, you know, and yeah, there's more to building a Stanley Cup team. I get that, but you've got to start by knocking on the door a bunch of times before you get there. Yeah, and I think where Vancouver finds itself, when we look at the team it's, itself, they're still, you know, a few tiers away from the top teams in the National Hockey League. We yes. had that discussion yesterday about the the high-end players. They still have to add to put themselves in the discussions of the Tampas, for instance, right? The Boston To be a true cup contender. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to become a playoff team. It's another to be a cup contender. And to make that cup contender leap, there's a lot of, that you have to do. And there's a significant player or two you have to add. But are you at a stage where... Not only do you have the players you're identifying to fill roles for you and, yep. and play for you in depth positions, but that you can identify guys in the future to play roles for you. And do you create enough assets that now you have something to play with in a year? And I think that's the other part of it. Like yeah. when we talk about developing players, it's not just about de developing guys to come into your organization. You need to have players you can also move and that become desirable to other teams. Yeah. And. The Canucks are going to have a hard time finding that high-end talent mm -hmm. unless they have another high draft pick, and we'll see what happens this year with the draft lottery. But it's going to be hard to find another superstar. It's going to be hard to find you know, another really high-end defenseman. It may take some time, you know, maybe free agency in a year, but you can't bank on that, especially with the, the freight and how old yeah. guys get at that stage. But when we start looking at these guys here and how they're progressing, how many of these players are going to be good assets for you to move in a year's time that you need to create lifeblood for your organization not just for players who play for you but guys you can flip down the road for something else and you can turn into something and that's something that they're going to have to do and if you can't find that high-end superstar player can you find you know like four or five really good ones that yeah. you can package together well, we see a couple of teams in the playoffs right now. Probably Seattle is is the best uh, example of a team that's just got what was the line Rick Tockett said? They've got four good NHL lines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and uh, was he taking a shot at his own team? No, but he might have been at least, you know, hinting towards the fact that he doesn't have NHL talent laden throughout his roster, at least not at the end of the year. And the Canucks still found a way to have some level of success, as we've talked about. But you're right. They have to find more of these players, more credible players. And we see in the playoffs on a lot of occasions, it's it, top guys kind of cancel each other out. Top sixes cancel each other out. And it might come down to a battle of the bottom six mm -hmm. uh, in, in some of these games. So it does matter to a huge, huge impact. But if you're to look at some of these playoff teams, then never mind the top ones. And if we're just talking about getting to that next step, getting to the playoffs as your next step in development as the Vancouver Canucks, 
Which team are they most like in the postseason right now? Like, if you were to compare the Vancouver Canucks to a current playoff team, who are they most like? So, I mean, in terms of overall talent, it's easy to look at, at a team like the New York Islanders. We know where Bo Horvat's at now because, yep. you know, they have some similar talent guys. You know, they have a great goaltender. They have some flaws. They're kind of capped out, and but they're not quite good enough. But I would say the Islanders are a little bit older, though. I mean, they have quite a few guys in their 30s, right? I mean, Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, Pajot, Palmieri, Casey Zizekas, Cal Clutterbuck, Matt Martin, right? Uh, Zach Parise. Uh, they still have Scott Mayfield, who's 30 years old. So they have some guys who are a bit older, older than Vancouver. But overall, talent-wise, I don't think they're too dissimilar. What they have more on the back end, Vancouver has more of in the up front. Their yeah. goaltending is pretty comparable. Sorokin obviously was far better this year than Demko, more consistent, didn't get injured. But you can put those guys into the same conversation goaltending-wise. They are so locked into their team. more, Way more than Vancouver is. Yeah, they're, they're probably the most locked into their current team and their current core than pretty much any roster is in the league. Yeah. Um, their D is not just like moderately better though than the Vancouver Canucks. It's quite a bit better and deeper. So right, you have Pelic Pulak, then you have Dobson. Roma, Romanov is hurt right now, but he's had a struggles this year too. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't think he's taken that step. You know, they gave up a pretty high pick. Not like him, but yeah, I don't think he has taken that step. I thought, but they do have a better defense. There's no doubt about yeah. it. I think Vancouver's forwards are better. I mean, Pedersen is clearly a notch above Barzell at this stage. Mm-hmm. Barzell hasn't gotten to that point yet. We can have the endless discussion about Bo Horvat, JT, Miller, but I'm not sure they Still have Still taking a, JT. Well, I'm not sure they have a Kuzmenko. Right. Now, Brock Anders, Nelson's a really good player. He's a good player. 31 years old. A little bit older, though. Yeah. You know, um, scored 36 goals last year. I think they're pretty comparable. Good playoff guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Islanders slightly ahead of Vancouver, maybe. But that's kind of the class you're talking about. Islanders, yeah. you're talking about the Winnipeg Jets. They've really valued building a strong bottom six. Yes. The Islanders have. And that's why they locked up Sezikis to that contract that they did and, and the Matt Martin types. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with how they've done it, but uh, they've really valued that. It got them to a couple of Eastern Conference finals. They were out of the playoffs last year and a fringe playoff team this year and down 2-0 to the Carolina Hurricanes. But that series, just a quick thought on it, far from over given Carolina's injuries. I think it's more Winnipeg for me that is the better comp for where Vancouver is. They have a strong forward group. They have questions on the back end, and they've got the quality goaltender. To me, Winnipeg is that team that's most comparable to the Vancouver Canucks. And the reality is, if you think it's the Islanders or you think it's Winnipeg, what does that tell you? The Canucks are most comparable to a team that's a wild card playoff team. Yeah, and there are a lot. Uh, to me, it's more about overall values, Drew. Right? Because you look at the teams; they're very different in terms of how they're built, but they yeah. have some similarities, especially with goaltending. That's a common thread: Hellebuck too, and yeah. you know Sorokin and and um, Thatcher Demko, of course. And they're all you're right, bubble kind of teams. And even Seattle, I'd say, is in that yeah. discussion overall. Now, Seattle's you know played well in the first game, and there's a lot of buzz and vibes and and all that around them. They're Seattle's still... got no star power, though. Not enough. I mean, can Beniers take that step, right? Yeah. Vince Dunn took that step this year. Is that truly what he is? If he is, then, then maybe you have one guy on the back end. And there's a lot to like about their team. But 
I think everything went right for them to be this good like next this yeah. year, and we'll see how that goes next year. But still kind of on the bubble, I think. Anything above that, is there any chance? Like, do you, do you compare any other team outside the bubble to Vancouver? Somebody texted in and said the Canucks are far more similar to the Dallas Stars than those teams. And if you're looking, the most optimistic way of looking at Vancouver, and is I think the this Dallas goes, Stars. Yeah, and it goes back to last year too, because what was the vibe around Dallas? Bloated contracts, bad team. They need a rebuild. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with Sagan and and Ben? This is an absolute disaster. And all of a sudden, I mean, their team yeah. that got over 100 points fought for the division title this season. Jason Robertson took a massive step. They have some really good, young, exciting players. Wyatt Johnson emerged this year and played fantastic for them. And even Niels Lundqvist has been healthy scratch here and there, but they have some young guys on the back end. All of a sudden, that team doesn't look like a team that's in disarray and caught in the mushy middle. They look like a team that could be knocking on the door as a contender. If you want to be optimistic, the most optimistic about this team turning around, it would be something along those lines. But you would need your Jamie Benn to be Oliver ekman Larson. Yeah. Because Jamie Benn's playing like an $8 million player this year, $9 million player this year. His best season since probably... Not as Art Ross year, but I think the year after is Art Ross year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you watch a play; he's he's a, he's a monster. Half <laughs> yeah, the time. he's yeah. a monster again. It's uh, it's incredible to watch because he just looked way past it these last couple of years, and to see him playing like this again is pretty amazing. That's actually a good shout from the texter. Uh, always text in six fifty six fifty on the Dunbar Lumber text line. And I agree with that take, but like I said, what you need is one of those guys. Yeah. You know, and, and Vancouver has a couple of those guys on the team now. I mean, Myers, we'll see what happens with them, but you have OEL. You need, because I mean, even though Sagan has, has his problems, obviously not scoring, he gives you 20 goals, 50 points. It's not enough for 9.5, but he gives you some of that, right? Can you get your two guys... You know, whether what you do with Myers' contract, what you do with OEL, that's kind of what you need. You need you need to get those types of performances. And who's your Wyatt Johnson next year? Is it, well, it's not Jonathan like Ramaki. No, is it Hoaglander maybe? Or Ratu Ratu. Ratu or somebody. I mean, yeah. if you want to craft the most optimistic way, yeah. that's, that's the most optimistic way of looking at it. That you get bounced back from OEL like the team is hoping for. One of your young guys emerges. And all of a sudden, not only are you better than a bubble team, you take a step and you're kind of in that, you know, tier of where the stars find themselves. Uh, one final thing uh, before we wrap this hour up. Um, Canucks announced today that Jason King is out as a part of their coaching staff. Uh, Jason King was running the power play and had been the final link. Uh, well, I guess Yo was on the uh, coaching staff. Yeah. At the start of this year with Bruce Boudreaux, but uh, the final link to the original Bruce, there it is, <laughs> coaching staff. Uh, Jason King is uh, no longer with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and no one, no one went to the mattresses for no. Jason King either. That's what I was disappointed about. But no, uh, I, I'd it's say... A throw, it's a good shout. Good shout from uh, one of the legendary mattress line players. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's surprising because I think that Jason King was out of contract this yeah. year. I don't think he has. So it's like, I don't think he's being not being renewed for the upcoming season. When and, uh, when Tockett was asked about the coaching staff at the year mm-hmm. end, um, you could kind of tell in his answer that it wasn't going to be as full a coaching staff coming back next year. No, and I think, I, and uh, Trent Call was let go as well to open up yeah. space for Adam Foote, you know, mm-hmm. and Gonchar was a, was a consultant, obviously. So Trent Call's contract obviously was done too at the end of the season. And you're right, like I don't, because Mike Yo clearly has another year on his deal. Yeah. 
And what I see with Mike Yo being, because they like, they worked well together. The staff is full now, so they'll, you'll probably give somebody that the power play opportunity there. Or Gonchar maybe has a bigger say. Maybe he's here full time because it opens up the opportunity for Gonchar to be there full time now. Yeah. If he wants to be with Jason King gone. So all of a sudden it gives you some. And I wonder with Yo, though, if if somebody, if he gets a job somewhere else. Yeah. And I mentioned this on Twitter too, and I said, you know, uh, a promotion like Brad Shaw last season. That doesn't mean head coach. It, it, it means you go from being an assistant coach and associate head coach like Brad Shaw was, and yeah. he moved on to a different team. I don't know if that's in the cards for Mike Yo, but I'd guess the only way he's not back is if he gets a job elsewhere, considering the team has him under contract for one more year, it looks like, because they didn't announce that's the only change. Uh, so that's uh, the latest on the Canucks coaching staff. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw coming up. We'll get in on the NHL entry draft with Shane Malloy of Hockey Prospect Radio. That's next on Canuck Central.